0: Uh, Welcome back to the next installment of the Seeker Strength Podcast. It's been... uh, We're just on a little two-week hiatus there. Um, And now we're back. And we're back with um, supplementation. This is Seeker Strength's Essential Guide to Supplementation. And let's get into her. Uh, Yeah. So this is going to be like the cliff notes, basically.
1: We'll probably at some stage in the future, go very in-depth into each of the things we talk about. But today, we're going to try and stay on time, uh, stick to the schedule, and give you, like, basically our fucking two cents on each of the kind of more commonly known ones. We are At the end, we're going to talk about some ones that are kind of newer and shinier and uh, that people mightn't have heard of quite so much. So we're going to stick with kind of what we use and what we have used in the past and what we have confidence in. And the first of those is going to be caffeine.
0: So I suppose if you if you look at, the way I would look at supplementation, if I was trying to evaluate it from a logical point of view, there'd be three headings I would assess my uh, my resources under and it would be psychological, financial, and then evidence-based, not in any particular order. Probably the most if you can get a handle on the other two, the most important one really is financial. Because ultimately that was, that's what a supplementation comes down to is, is a kind of financial burden. And if yeah. we look at caffeine under the financial burden, it's financial burden is teeny tiny if you just make your own coffee. So obviously yeah. if you buy cups of coffee, it's just fucking astronomical. But if you buy <laughs> just raw coffee, if you buy um, not raw coffee, raw caffeine, if you take, um, you get like a powdered bag, you can get them from literally anywhere. If you get them yeah. from, if you just make your own, if you have grown coffee, like you can buy a bag of very tasty coffee for five euro that you'll get like 40 cups of coffee out of or 30 or whatever. Um, Obviously, the effects of caffeine are incredibly well documented. The doses, the problem is with caffeine, right, is it's kind of like a double-edged sword, I suppose, in in my opinion. Like if you listen to someone like Matthew Walker, who's a sleep expert and the effect of sleep on athletic performance and all that is very well documented and it's, it's absolutely crucial but what he he kind of the way he describes caffeine like so we know it's half life is like six or hours, four hours or eight something like that or whatever it's it's not people think it's not it's, too long but then it's it's very very long <laughs> but quarter life then is what makes it very long so he what he liked is, is if you drink a cup of coffee at like 12 its quarter life is 12 hours I think so if you drink a cup of coffee at 12 o'clock in the day It's like you waking up at 12 o'clock at night and drinking a quarter cup of coffee and going back to sleep so that is for someone who for someones who love coffee that is um so unpleasant to hear so you can just wipe that from your memory if you want to pretend you've never heard of it because like from the few elite athletes we've seen training from some of the best weightlifters they drink so much coffee and caffeine it's like constant always drinking coffee always drinking caffeine like when we've we've heard it before if you listen to the podcast a long time um, you've heard us talk about like when we were in Qatar it was really really strong like double shot of coffee before every session there was two sessions in a day so you had one of those then you'd be drinking coffee in between sessions Gabriel always had some kind of coffee before training drinking some kind of energy drink all the time um, Clarence has gone through periods where he just fucking loves pre-workouts caffeine based any kind of stimulant And now, obviously, that's not why they're successful. It might be that they're just lunatics and that's why they're successful. But they also (laughs) love caffeine. Yeah, I think another point on
1: caffeine is that so it has a super long half-life and quarter-life, which makes it very, very difficult if you have trouble with your sleep. But the other thing is it has very, very short washout periods. So, uh, like, if you keep drinking coffee or if you drink coffee every day for a month when you train... Uh, you'll get desensitized very, very quickly. So um, if having one kind of monster before training usually gives you a huge physiological spike, after probably 10 days to two weeks, that uh, physiological effect is going to kind of diminish significantly. The thing is that to get that sensitivity back takes a very, very short period of time. For most of us, it's going to take around a week to 10 days for us to get, it's kind of gain sensitivity again. So... The big advantage with coffee would be that, or with caffeine in general, is that you can get uh, kind of noob gains or beginner gains with it multiple times over the course of a training cycle. So if you train for eight months before a competition, if you just stop taking it for a week before the competition, you will be amped up and get a huge physiological uh, stimulus from it after just one week of not taking caffeine. Which I think is is a huge advantage for it as a supplement.
0: The probably one of the problems with caffeine is because it has such a detrimental effect on your sleep. Uh, some of the doses they use in kind of strength training performance, they're actually it's quite a lot of caffeine. So if you're looking at someone who's like yeah, maybe a hundred kilos in body weight, you're looking at somewhere in the region of seven hundred fifty milligrams, which would be literally <laughs> could be anywhere from between. Like five to six cups of coffee, if not more, or like five or six cans of yeah. Monster. So it's like it, it that is a, quite a shitload of caffeine. So if you're doing that on a yeah. daily basis, trying to get that effect, and like Dara was saying, you get very um desensitized with within a couple of weeks. Like where do you go from there? Like you have to keep up rating the dose. So you have to be very kind of um, you have to be very strategic with your use of caffeine if you're going to be using it long term and its effects you got to weigh its balance the way between its effect on your sleep and its effect on your performance and you got to be very smart and is it really so You got to ask yourself is it worth the trade-off of my sleep for my short-term effect and performance so if the day of the competition is very positive in your performance and you lose one night's sleep the day after competition or the one night of competition then it's no biggie but if you're routinely losing four or five nights of sleep a week because you need it for your caffeine and then it's kind of a vicious cycle you didn't get great night like, sleep the night before because you took caffeine so you're taking caffeine again to get yourself to a uh, baseline get yourself to sober you might say for the uh for yeah. the session you know you're you're kind of in a, a very poor cycle there in terms of your control over this uh the supplement you're using and that's kind of comes into the psychological aspect of using caffeine is what we were saying at the start and those kind of headings very often we see people especially especially in crossfit culture we see the kind of um I need my coffee, you know. Got like coffee, fucking coffees and bars. The rise and, ca- and grind. Yeah, like the you know, like any any number of two words used together for a pun kind of thing, you know. Now, obviously, yeah, it's not um, it's not a case of we don't use caffeine. Um, we would be both, as you say, devils for it. But yeah, you have to be realistic with your reliance on caffeine. I think
1: uh, a good rule of thumb here is that if you don't take caffeine for two or three days. And you start feeling an effect of not having the caffeine. So if you start getting headaches, if you start feeling kind of a bit hazy, uh, like the, the headache is something that will come probably after the first day and or day and a half of not drinking any coffee. If you're a heavy coffee drinker, uh, what I'd suggest then is, is going to like keep your normal routine, still drink your coffee, but just go to a decaf uh, blend and then possibly around training, bring in some caffeine if you still feel like you need it. Uh, if it is something that you've kind of realized you're reliant on, um, I would start kind of titrating out or just taking it out slowly. Um, and maybe if you usually have two or three cups of coffee a day, uh, I'd go to at least two thirds of those being a decaf of some kind. Like you can get good decaf coffee now, uh, getting a decaf in there and then, uh, use that, uh, third cup or the single cup of coffee you have with caffeine in it. Use that around training. Uh, and you're talking about probably 45 minutes before you want the best effect, you'll be taking that caffeine on board.
0: So, financially, caffeine would be very low. Um, evidence is quite high for caffeine. It's very well documented. It's it's very yeah. easy to determine for yourself. Some, I think it was Misha who talked about using caffeine but he said if you need constantly to use caffeine while you're training to kind of draw on your kind of own hype. When it comes to competition day, then if you if you haven't been smart with it, you're left with nowhere to go. Like, what, what do you draw yeah. on? You know, you need to learn how to do it without uh, kind of a stimulant. And then obviously I, the psychological. What's that? Uh, I, on the kind of
1: competition thing, if it was ideal case scenario for me, uh, I'd have an athlete who, like, if they like drinking coffee, it would be one cup a day before 12 o'clock before noon basically uh and then in terms of their kind of getting a physiological stimulus I'd get them to just have powdered caffeine uh and that be their source of of caffeine they take it an hour before they trained uh m- make sure it's measured correctly like there's been people a comatose and put into ICU because they've mismeasured uh caffeine so I would say like if you're an athlete and you're looking to use this as a performance thing and you're super strict and you don't mind missing out on like the the social coffee or whatever it is that you enjoy having uh I would keep it to one cup a day before noon and then if you need caffeine around training times you'll take it in powdered form uh and you take a dose that you find physiologically effective at that point. Uh, then have a washout before competition and then you take the minimum effective dose on the day of the competition
0: Um, in terms of the kind of powder caffeine like personally this is just there is literally no real reason for this but I, I don't ever use the powder caffeine because um, just obviously I really enjoy drinking coffee but there's something kind of lacking about taking that um, that just the powdered caffeine it, it just doesn't feel the same it doesn't have the same kind of you know association with it uh, some yeah. of the benefits I think as well like caffeine come with being from coffee as well so not strictly just from coming from caffeine powder some of them have to be with the bean or some come come from like a bean derivative or whatever but that's oh, like a Mr. benefit Mr. Hippie girth comes out again but that's like with some of the um, like the long life benefits or whatever you know so we're not going to yeah, cry okay. um, obviously that's probably the most established I would say performance enhancing supplement uh, there used to be a limit actually in the Olympics on the amount of caffeine you could have. Um, I can't remember what it was, but you'd be hard. Well, the limit was
1: extremely low. The limit was it was just a band It was a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah, like the, it, uh, that.
0: That would have been impossible to fucking regulate.
1: And that's what the issue was. Uh, so you had it it was it was a scheduled drug like you couldn't have it in your system on the day of competition you were allowed to have it out of competition uh, but what was happening is you'd get athletes going to world championships or you'd get athletes going abroad basically out of their normal situation and they'd drink like something like Mountain Dew or they'd drink like uh, some sort of uh, soft drink that they didn't deem to be an energy drink and most of these things like Coke will have it Pepsi will have it uh, most of the kind of normal fizzy drinks will have caffeine in it uh in one form or another and then you had athletes getting popped without realising it or they'd have tea that was different from the tea they had at home that would have caffeine in it and then they'd kind of pop for that so they were getting popped for minuscule amounts of caffeine Uh and like if you want to see if a supplement is effective or not if it's banned it's probably effective
0: yeah if you can use it <laughs> it's useless basically yeah Um. so Realistically, I'd say a lot of people listening to this probably do have some issues with caffeine in terms of the effects of their their <laughs> training. Um, just take a good objective look at yourself. Um, really, the one you need to look at for under those three headings for caffeine is the psychological benefit. And yeah. I would encourage you. So, you know, when we hear often we hear people say, oh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't affect my sleep. It doesn't feel like it affects my sleep. But obviously, you're not aware of the, like the amplitudes of the peaks and troughs and the waves of your brainwaves while you're asleep. But... Yeah. If you feel like you have no issue with caffeine, I would say just prove it to yourself. Do a full four week kind of uh microcycle of training without caffeine. Just just yeah. I would say prove it to yourself. There should be no problem. Like and you'll very you'll quickly very quickly learn if you were reliant <laughs> on it or not. Um you should be able to hit PBs without caffeine. Remember yeah. when I came back from the rally, um we just when we were abroad, um we just couldn't get coffee anywhere after like Iran. So there was great coffee up until I ran, and after that you just couldn't really get it. And then I was like, fuck it, I'll try like six months without training, without coffee. And um, you should be able to hit PBs without yeah. it because. But I would say give it a go for four weeks. And if you can't do that, then you definitely need to reevaluate some of your um, your kind of psychological uh thoughts around training. Because some people might not yeah. realize it, you know, some people embrace it, too, though. They love that kind of like I have to have coffee or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah, wouldn't say it long just term, all adds though.
1: into the, the ritual of, of training.
0: Like coffee is fucking great, all the same. it's fucking class,
1: it's phenomenal uh yeah, but i would if if i was if I was an athlete uh <laughs> I would stick to one cup a day before noon and then I'd be extremely strict around my uh caffeine intake around training uh
0: just to before we kind of move on to a different branch of supplements, we might just say into stimulants um so obviously caffeine is uh, the main stimulant uh there's a few others that are kind of knocking around there was that um what was that one that was banned there and it still is banned actually I'd imagine it was in that um Jacked 3D or whatever wasn't it remember oh was it Jack 3D or was it C4 it was in oh I think it was Jack 3D uh yeah it was in one of them anyway what was the name of that simon I'll, I'll I'll Jamie it there look yeah I do that was um Remember, people were like selling it then because uh, <laughs> they had the one with the bad ingredients. There was
1: people with old tubs in their freezers and stuff selling it online for like three times more than it cost first day.
0: Oh, di- uh, dimetal amylene. Um, yeah, amylene. Yeah. I thought you were about to say dimetal tryptamine. No, is it DMT? Mm-hmm. <laughs> dimetal amylene. So yeah, so uh, and even death. That. That's nice. Um, yeah, I remember that. That was. Um, yeah, I think one stage Bulgarian team said they had a tainted supplement from Jack Treaty and that's what they all tested positive for but um, <laughs> I'd say no so <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of stimulants I'll be honest with you I just wouldn't bother I don't think they're um, there's too much going on in the periphery with those and they're not essential so unless you're you're Eddie Hall or you're half torn you're going for a 500 fucking one kilo deadlift and you need a bag of coke to get you going yeah. Then that's no the problem. Yeah. But realistically for everyday training I, I would not be uh, especially not for weightlifting as well in particular. So for powerlifting, maybe on game day, like there is stories of lads who are on gear using some mad stuff on game day, like like testosterone with um No ester attached to it and whatever and just going absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. Um for that kind of but those people are they're reckless, like they're they're in their own field kind of. But for general day to day training, any kind of supplements with stimulants like that. I don't think the adverse effects outweigh the positive effects that you can get from caffeine or just from good sleep and good food, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I suppose to move on from caffeine, we the next kind of area we can talk about is like whey proteins or just a protein supplement in general. Yeah. Uh, this is like what most people, this is like the gateway drug of supplements. Uh, this is what most people dip their toe into the water with. Most people will have or a lot of people will have some fucking bag of whey protein in the back of a cupboard somewhere Uh, every gym in the world will have whey protein scattered around it Uh, so I think we should speak about we'll obviously speak about like the financial the evidence based and the psychological effects of protein supplementation Uh, but just to start off like obviously every whey protein ad in the world would say this but every protein isn't created equally And like when you see the mass gainers and and all these kind of different ones, to be honest, most of the time I I tell people to stay away from it uh, and just get the kind of the base form or the hydrolyzed form of that, whatever you're looking to get. So if it's like protein, don't get some fucking lean gainer uh, or like mass builder with whey protein in it. If you're going buying stuff like that, just go to a company that you can buy, like, basic, really good quality whey protein from?
0: Um, so, obviously, if we go evidence, uh, psychological benefits, and financial. So, again, financial, you can get reasonably good quality protein to high quality protein for fairly reasonable prices, I suppose. It, it's it's a, an order of attitude above caffeine in terms of kind of financial aspect. Um I suppose again, for me, the way or any protein supplement I suppose uh, most commonly used from whey, I suppose, is you can get them reasonably cheap. Um but if it's kind of putting the way I would look at this, if it's putting kind of any kind of financial burden on you, then I think it's just not worth it. So if, at any point if you're choosing between getting your fifty euro bag of whey for the month or having two more steaks every week then I would 100% of the time hands down pick the um this the steak the whole foods or whatever yeah. your choice of protein is so I don't think I would never compromise buying a bag of whey like you know in, in college we've all done especially when we start training we're like okay I can remember buying like optimal nutrition which at the time was very expensive especially when you're in college to buy like a tub of that or something like yeah. spending like 30 euro a tub on that for a kilo of it was astronomical like in it's not really sustainable and I'm much better off just buying a bit more food or buying a bit more meat or whatever I suppose um, yeah to be honest
1: most of the most of the time now if someone's asking me about supplements like and they're looking for a kind of like meal replacement shake it's only because of timing I think is the only reason you, you probably need that so if it's like early in the morning and you can't get a good breakfast like in that early or because of where you train you're not able to getting nutrition within like the right kind of timing window around that. But most people are going to be able to get the requisite amount of protein into their diet if they're eating fairly clean.
0: So if we look at um the evidence based, I suppose when it comes to whey protein there is literally hundreds of thousands <laughs> of probably articles on this um yeah there's one there. that said they did a meta-analysis and they had three hundred thirty-seven thousand articles in their meta-analysis on just whey yeah. protein. So, like the evidence is always, the evidence is never going to be poor against just taking protein. So it's not really, I'm not really convinced that whey protein itself is the um, is the key factor there. It's essentially well, I suppose animal protein is probably it is definitely superior in terms of like absorption compared to the like pea proteins or stuff like that but in terms of i think the real aspect is is just you're getting a bit more protein you're getting those benefits from more protein rather than it being from whey protein and i would imagine it's probably or it's almost certainly better if you just got that extra protein from a meal but if financially it's no issue with you there's certainly there's there is definitely evidence there that you using it will give you some minuscule benefit depends how you want to quantify it i suppose
1: yeah. Uh in terms of like specifics of whey proteins that we've used over the years or like different protein brands, like in Ireland and the UK and Europe and stuff we have we're unbelievably blessed with the amount of fucking nutrition companies we have. Uh if you're getting something like whey protein, I spoke earlier about getting just like the isolate form. Uh I know Optimum Nutrition have their like gold standard whey, which I used for years was very very good like almost no difference between the batches uh then bulk powders have some really good whey isolate uh my protein have some very very simple stuff like if if it was me and if in the morning i realized that i needed to get stuff to make up a, a post training shake or whatever it is i would definitely be going to one of the big supply companies like bulk powders and just buying myself the four kilo bag of whey isolate, uh like their high quality stuff. And that's it's by far the cheapest way to get it. And it's probably one of the highest quality uh products you'll get as well.
0: So obviously I don't think there's any real psychological issue like if you're having psychologically dependent on your training if you don't have your weight then you need to take a good solid look at yourself and just <laughs> you know stop training. Uh so I can yeah. see how like stimulants and stuff like that definitely they can form a kind of a a dependency is a strong word but essentially that's what it is but if you're getting issues which you didn't have your way for a month and you feel like you're getting smaller um I have no time for you I'm sorry. But in terms yeah. of um so really what you're looking at is financial and in evidence. So again for whey or let's say any whey pro- or any protein supplements the evidence is high usually so i think it's rice protein for in terms of the vegan proteins is the best one but actually no it's a mix it's uh i think it's rice and uh some other one of those vegetable things they um <laughs> whatever they are it's a mix of those so you need a mix of those so you don't quite get there's a better than individual ones um okay for for vegans though i would almost go and say if you're a strength athlete or vegan and you're not on the juice i would say it's almost essential to be taking some kind of whey protein supplements um there's basically no downsides to getting excessive protein like you would have to be taking you probably wouldn't be able to consume enough protein before you'd start getting some downsides so i would say um if i was a vegan athlete or a vegetarian maybe not a vegetarian but definitely if i was a vegan athlete i would definitely look into getting um some some kind of protein source additional um And, like, they've gotten way better tasting, obviously, in the last, like, even two or three years than they used to be. They used to be, like, <laughs> remember how bad creatine used to be, like, oh seven my or eight God. years ago? Yeah. It was, like, drinking, remember the sandy bits at the end? You know, that, like, kind of the rock, like, you get at the yeah. end. And like, they I, I, would I, I,
1: never I, dissolve. That stuff could have been made up the morning, like, yeah. the morning of the night you're taking it. And it would still be fucking crystalline structures in the bottom of your bottle. Uh, So... Yeah, definitely. On the point of veganism, yep, or not on the point of veganism, but of the plant-based uh, protein sources, The so I do the thing where I go on the internet and I read things that I don't agree with, uh, partly because it makes me angry and that's a headspace in which I like to operate. Uh, but m- like most of the time when they're talking about protein sources, and I would be extremely cautious of this is that they say, Oh, you don't actually need that much protein. Uh, or that all oh, protein isn't that important or oh, USHER, sure, that doesn't have that much of an effect anyway. Like, protein's hugely fucking important. Uh it's not the be on and end all and it doesn't really matter hugely. Uh like people put a huge amount of thought into their timings of it and everything like that. But like if you're an athlete and especially if you're a strength athlete or if you're an athlete who's recovering from a lot of training and you're not getting enough protein, it's incredibly difficult to progress. Like, don't just go for the blanket answer of, oh, well, sure, it doesn't matter that much anyway.
0: Yeah, like it's it's and it could be easy, I think, to kind of, um, especially as a vegan strength athlete or you can kind of fall into the trap of there seems to be kind of a sub kind of. I won't say cult, but some kind of, um, <laughs> tree of some vegans who are like, oh, protein doesn't matter. Or, are we too much protein? Uh, I think that's more yeah. of an agenda basis rather than, and it's definitely not an evidence-based aspect. Um, yeah. so I would say for, I would say for any vegan trained athletes, definitely would be, or any athletes really who are vegan, I would definitely be looking at taking supplementation because it'll just make your life a lot easier. Um, so again, financially, The important one here again i think for overall is if you can financially afford it then i would say definitely we would definitely recommend going for it um i use whey protein but i'll give you one reason i just like my porridge overnight oats to taste (laughs) nice and it's the best way to make them taste nice without it adding extra carbohydrates and that's literally the only reason i um i i just don't think what's in a scoop of protein usually like 15 grams 20 grams
1: yeah just depending on it it'll usually be like between 10 and 20 grams for a normal scoop
0: yeah I'd say that's thing borderline fuck all nothing yeah but in terms of taste like it's just nice in overnight oats for that to me that's the only reason I would take um, I, I would use whey protein Um, moving on yeah. I suppose what's next in your Clientine. list uh, steroids. creatine steroids I thought one. we weren't going to talk about steroids yeah. at all okay so I think this is a good
1: point to bring in uh, the thing of what people think supplements do and what supplements actually do so uh, we've all heard it hopefully there's nobody listening to this podcast that thinks taking protein shakes will make them fucking huge and jacked Uh, and hopefully there's nobody listening to this that has these kind of grandiose opinions on what creatine actually does Uh, creatine can help in certain aspects of sport and in certain aspects of power output. So uh, in the body, we have different energy systems. One of those energy systems is like the creatine phosphate system. Uh, So for sports where you're doing highly explosive movements, lasting uh, kind of between one and a half and 10 or 15 seconds, your creatine phosphate system is going to be used a lot. So any of the kind of field-based sports where you're doing ...big bursts of of sprints... Um, ...then creatine supplementation... ...can be quite useful... ...in strength sports... ...creatine supplementation... ...can be quite useful as well... Uh, ...but it's not... ...so... ...how people think creatine works... ...is how gear works... ...and people think... ...how protein works... ...is how creatine actually works... ...so protein will... ...probably make zero difference... ...to your performance overall uh creatine will make a very very small difference to your performance overall uh and most of the time people think they're going to get these fucking huge gains uh but it won't happen
0: so if we go again with the headings so we have psychological uh financial and um last on evidence so uh for creating creatine evidence in terms of that is um there's, again it's like whey protein it's probably the most studied non-whey yeah. protein supplement out there there is literally i would say there's hundreds of thousands of um piece of evidence again for creating um in its safety rating or whatever is is very safe there's i would say there's more, yeah. no issues with that and then in terms of um so like Dara was saying, there is some very like positive, but very positive means there was some effect as of, as opposed to yeah. they didn't know the difference between placebo and the supplement. There was kind of a they could see some minor positive effect, I suppose. And if you were a well trained athlete, so like any kind of benefit is better, no benefit, I suppose. And yeah, the way what I was like the, at these, the marginal gains thing again. Yeah, like the the kind of rolling effect of gains so like 0.2% every or 0.02% every training session adds up a, a little bit to good athletes over the long run so if it is something that does give you that uh, so there is some like they call them non-responders to creatine or whatever and it's I yeah. think like there are some some people are suggesting that it's um, people who eat enough red meat or eat a lot of red meat frequently may just have reached their saturation levels of creatine and it may have no effect on as opposed to like there is 'Cause sometimes in the news um like kind of investigations on supplements, like they look kind of mechanism action. Sometimes you need to hit um an excessive dose that you wouldn't get from food. So like yeah, I think it's um I think it's beta and hydrogenase is the one that comes from watermelon juice. Whereas they do it like with watermelon juice versus um supplementation and you can't hit the saturation levels or the the effective levels without like over like over supplementation. It doesn't come from the food stuff. So it's yeah. possible creatine may have that aspect. Uh, again in terms of financial, creatine is is cheaper or as cheap as whey or any of those supplements. Yeah. And they've gotten a lot better. Like like we were saying earlier, like they used to not mix very well at all at all. Like they used to be like drinking sand, they used to mix. Whereas now you can mix one in like 50 mils of water and you can just drink it and there's no issue.
1: Yeah. Uh. One thing on, so like procurement of creatine is one of, so buying workouts and stuff if you're a tested athlete you have to be careful because stimulants will often get mixed or you're getting stimulants that will have been brought in from a different country uh, like a lot of those compounds will be made in China and brought in and even though we we're buying them from a German company uh, you have the possibility of cross-contamination you, can only hope. you don't have you don't have the issues of cross-contamination with creatine so much because it's not that compound will usually be made domestically Uh, But what you can have an issue with is uh, dosing or the spiking of batches uh, to make an appearance of a highly effective supplement. Uh, It doesn't really happen that much. It doesn't. It very, very, very rarely happens anymore. Uh, Some of the US companies aren't as good. But if you're buying, so if you're Europe-based and you're buying from reputable sources, uh, oh, I think it's Pure. Uh, was like one of the original ones to start really focusing on the the quality of the creatine uh you won't have an issue what i will say is like you spoke about the mechanism of action and having to get like a very high level of creatine so one of the kind of more highly documented facts with creatine is that for a power athlete is that you can have so if you imagine you have a pool of creatine in your system at the moment if you take creatine in supplement form, you're going to be able to artificially expand that pool. So that's very, very useful for a, uh, a sprinter because they'll be able to continue, or not a sprinter, but like a runner. So if you're a 400 meter runner and you can use that uh, phosphocreatine energy system for longer in your race, you're going to get energy faster to that muscle uh, and then you have better performance outcomes. If you're a rugby player and you're able to have more creatine stored in those muscle cells, then you are, if you have a bigger pool of creatine, basically, you can draw from that for longer and you don't have to go to that glycolytic uh, energy pathway. So there's very real, uh, or there's a mechanism of action that could bring about very real performance uh, improvements, but it appears as though you can't just get that from red meat.
0: Um, okay
1: boomer probably the last <laughs> the last thing I'd say on, on creatine is that for the kind of just the gym bro or, or somebody who's just lifting weights you probably won't see a big difference yeah. uh, you might see a bit you might see a bit of a difference in the kind of like if it's creatine monohydrate you're taking you might see a bit of difference in your holding more uh, water around the cells which can have positive uh performance implications but it's more for the field athletes or for the crossfitters people who are putting out huge amounts of energy very 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 quickly uh working in that like 10 second time domain
0: um so just gonna a massive tangent here in terms of like talking about supplements uh so one reason we never talk about other people's programs is because we sell programs and you're never going to be biased in terms of <laughs> What you do, but so be very careful when you see when you look online, you know, and you look at videos. And there's, um, yeah, there's one very prominent YouTuber who does a lot of science based stuff, and I actually quite like him. He's, um, he's mostly a bodybuilder, but he does a lot of strength training. But he made like he's made who a video talking I think, about, uh, Jeff Nippard. Do you ever asked him? Um, no. you've probably come across I don't. him, I, I definitely have, yeah, yeah. He's, um, but anyway, he made like he made a video about creating saying basically everyone should take it or whatever, um, but. Then there's like a link down in the comments to get his favorite creatine and you get a discount, you know. And I think it's kind of, um, I'm not sure how you would describe it, but it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, you know. There's it's yeah, it's like you know at the bottom of the study, and they're like the the author declares no conflict of interest or whatever, you know. But it's just kind of, uh, I just I feel mm-hmm. like I you know it's very easy to do people, I suppose, in terms of um, you might get someone who's just started training. And they're like, "Geez, I have to have creating so because Jeff said I had it, because he makes a lot of good stuff, you know." So he makes very like, yeah. and I'm not ragging on Jeff Nippard here or whatever, and just saying it's kind of uh, the psychological kind of aspect of creating for some people, weirdly, is a lot for some reason, especially with gym gym goers. Like, so we're not going to see yeah. elite sprinters going to the Olympics being like, "I didn't have my creatine," you know. There's like, if you see him bold eating a thousand chicken nuggets and stuff, you know. He just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> but I would yeah. say the psychological load sometimes for people creating is weirdly high because it's it's reached such. Um, Kind of a pedestal in terms of sports supplementation. Yeah. Weirdly so among the initiators.
1: Yeah, yeah, you hear people and they're talking about like the side effects of creatine. And they're like liver damage, uh, like all this stuff. And you're like, no, that's the side effects of gear. Yeah. And somebody <laughs> like, Yo. It's, yeah. it's this, I don't know how it got it. Because as a compound, it's like, it's not fucking mad like you know it, it's a very very simple compound it's not yeah. Uh, like you you don't take it sublingually or anything you don't fucking inject it into your ass you take it the same as you take any other protein powder yet people have this unbelievable opinion of what it does for you
0: um, somebody
1: yeah, like- marketed it very well in, in the late 80s early 90s I think is what happened and then some of the big studies came out And people were just like, oh shit, like, uh, there's been, I don't want to get the name wrong. There was an all black rugby player, uh, died with a liver issue. I am not going to say the name in case I get the name wrong. Uh, and people were saying like, oh, it was the amount of creatine he was taking. in The nineties was causing that. And it's like, that, that could have had an issue. Like that could have had an effect it's very, 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 very unlikely that that was what caused it. Yeah. Uh, and any time when it's something like that caused it, it's like the dosages must have been so high. Like it must have been fourfold increase on what the like daily uh, dosage should have been. Or like I've heard of one other person having like a kidney issue with it. Um, and then you're just thinking like there has to be other things in place for these issues to occur. Like... Creatine is just a protein, basically. Like it, it's not, it's not a fucking signaling compound. It's nothing. It's it's a very very basic supplement. And if you're hearing about these mad side effects, there has to have been something else going on in the background, like uh, dysfunction or something there
0: previously. Um. So in in just to sum up, creatine it's a nice to have, and it's um it's it's fairly cheap and it's worth buying if you can financially afford it without any issue at all then I would say it's it's definitely worth taking the likelihood is you'll have zero side effects from it and you may get some rolling positive effects over a course of a couple of months if you decide to take it but in, in no way will it ever limit your progress or you're not missing out your progress like you're yeah. not missing out on massive long-term gains if you don't use creatine. it just might make things a small but little bit easier for you at certain stages like the evidence is good but Ultimately, like all supplementation, it's it's not vital.
1: I think the last thing we didn't speak about with creatine is, uh, I think this notion has kind of gone away now, thankfully, but people thought you'd have to load creatine and then have a plateau or a maintenance phase and then you take stop taking it for a while and then you load it again, have your plateau your maintenance then stop taking it for a while. Uh, all the studies, <laughs> I hate saying all the studies, but... The kind of weight of academic knowledge at the moment is that you just take between three and five grams a day and you take it indefinitely, Uh, and that's what gives you a a good effect. I definitely would not do a loading phase of creatine and then a maintenance phase. It 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 appears to make no difference, Uh, and if there are any side effects, you're just kind of exacerbating those by taking a huge amount at the very very beginning. Uh, So. My recommendation would be Three to five grams a day Indefinitely as long as you're training
0: Uh, What's next on the list?
1: Next one is the chromey, shiny ones uh, That you've been doing all your reading about
0: Have we done any Have we missed any big ones? Uh, The last one we have is ZMA then Oh yeah okay So then there's um, I suppose There's like a plethora of um, Just kind of Plethora Of just like they are called some kind of chromey kind of fucking. Well, so if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm not that big on supplementation anyway. I don't think it really matters a <laughs> whole lot. But there's a lot of like, uh, uh, there's a huge amount of money in supplementation.
1: Mm.
0: Like there's kind of two areas, three areas, I suppose, in the, in the kind of the whole uh, fitness, invertecomas here, fitness industry. Um, so you have like equipment, supplementation, and training people, um, and then maybe kind of a subsection of equipment is like clothes and like equipment is very hard to get into and it's uh it's very expensive and not everyone needs equipment to buy obviously training people is one area but if you, like nutrition is is huge like and it's very it's a perishable good and it needs it's consumed so it's like a diminishing resource when you buy it so it's it's a great kind of business model and coming and the like there I was saying with like some of the studies on creatine like it, it was like really well marketed and the kind of worked its way into the kind of general culture, like people's mothers thinks their sons are taking steroids if they see a bag of creatine, you know? So <laughs> then we, once you hit a certain limit, you know, you need to come up with something new and um, obviously science advances and, and then we see these new kind of like outliers of like supplementation. Um, so once I was looking at recently, it just kind of happened to, I saw oh, Christoph Chris talking about um, a supplement. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I think it was a vasoblitz or something. It was some like nitrous nitrous These oxide blitz. nitric oxide kind of like upregulator so it had like beta betadine anhydrase and citrulline malate or L-citrulline and then if you had a random ingredients Um, like if you look at the research on those it's um, it's it, it's literally hit or miss and there's a, a citrulline malate there for a while was huge like there was really like like three or four years ago maybe there was like a huge buzz around citrulline malate and like how it was going to be the next thing and ultimately again it proved itself to be kind of um and nice to have maybe it may help you individually uh some of the studies are like oh yeah it, it does something others are like no it doesn't do anything it seems or something like they're f- fairly positive and i suppose the, re- the mechanism action for any kind of um you know up regulators are in theory should be useful but whether the supplements do anything is kind of um it- it's like well it depends who and what you're reading and how you interpret them the best thing to do with these is wait until there's like a hundred thousand of these studies on our articles and then you can be like, Yeah, it might do something maybe if you're training a lot, but it doesn't know, <laughs> you know, that's what you always end up getting like. Yeah, so yeah. in terms of those, they are like if you look at those in the three headings again, like financial, psychological, and um what was the last one? Uh, evidence. evidence. So evidence with these shiny chromey ones, you know, what else have we got in there other than like those like HMB, Bem? That, that? Alanine. Bainaling, uh, uh, like um, what was the one from beetroot? Uh,
1: was it just concentrated oh beet- yeah, concentrated so, beetroot? Yeah, concentrated beetroot juice, and that like that's working on a slightly different. They reckon that that allows your red blood cells to hold more oxygen. Yeah, uh, increases the and like these are area. all. Yeah, it's like you call them nice to haves, right? And I think that's the best way to describe them because uh, there's some research there. There's some conflicting e- research, with there? will always be, but in terms of the weight of evidence, uh, there are five thousand times less studies done than on your protein supplementation, your creatine supplementation, and your effects of caffeine on performance. So there, these are things that like maybe there's some difference there, but this is not, this is not something you'll get like. 100% buy in from everybody or like 95% buy in from everybody in the field you you probably won't most coaches probably don't concern themselves with it uh and we get it everybody wants to have the best possible setup to be doing everything they possibly can to perform at their best even people who just go to the gym normally or people who just do a powerlifting or weightlifting competition a few times a year uh my kind of case for these would be they don't make enough of a difference to warrant you taking it every day. Yep. If I'm be completely honest. Uh like is it beta alanine gives you the scratchy like there's one of them is yeah, a calcium inhibitor and uh it's in a lot of pre workouts and I used to take it for a good while. Uh and it was like it used to give you this like scratching or like really tingling feeling on your face and on the tops of your traps uh and i think in many ways the effectiveness of that was me having that feeling linking that feeling then with the caffeine that i was getting from the pre-workout that had beta alanine in it and then saying okay fuck that uh itching or whatever is very very bad now so I must have very high levels of caffeine in my system so then I'm going to have a very high level of performance. This is all almost like a marker that I was like an associative marker rather than any physiological uh, improvement I was getting. It would be almost like the colour of the pre-workout, so say the pre-workout was blue, it would almost be like me seeing my tongue turning blue when I drank the pre-workout and yeah. saying, oh, fuck, I've got the pre-workout now. Yeah. Now I can lift heavy or whatever that may be. You know, I'm, the the weight of evidence just isn't hugely significant at the moment. Uh, so I, I probably wouldn't bother.
0: My kind of, again, I go, I'm going to go back to the people who are kind of not pushing is probably the wrong way to say these, but kind of exposing people to these. So a lot of these are kind of bigger YouTubers, you know, they're kind of um, people like John Meadows, uh, like Jeff Lepard, stuff yeah. like that. They're people who over, on average, I really like some of them. I like, I have a lot of time for John Meadows. I have a lot of time for yeah. uh, like Jeff Lepard there. They do make good videos and they're the Evans base and like John Meadows is very intelligent, but he's also like, I've oh, been training for like fucking 30 years and I'll tell you what works, you know, and that doesn't work, you know. Yeah. But a lot of times they're invested in supplement companies or they own supplement companies or they used to run them. And um, I I would imagine it's not really, it, it's not even a, a bias. It's, it is kind of a bias, I suppose, in terms of that supplements are something they like. So they're kind of going end up with the evidence leaning towards yeah. kind of they do something, you know. Or even when they're using yeah. themselves, they'll probably end up with like, oh, I feel like they do do something, you know. Or I think there is positive to it. Whereas we don't have supplements. We don't sell supplements. We're not invested in supplements. We don't sponsor supplements. So we're kind of like, ma'am. Probably. Yeah. It's okay. You know, it's... You've got to look at who's kind of telling you what's what, you know. And, like, we could be... Of course, there's the argument that we're biased that we don't have anything to do with supplements, so we don't even... We haven't <laughs> given them the time of day, although we definitely yeah. have given supplements the time of day, I think, over the years. Huge. Everyone does it some stage. Yeah.
1: For years, for literally years, I used to think and obsess over this. Like, this was... What fucking mass gainer and uh fucking protein composition I had yeah. was something that took up a huge amount of cognitive capital for yeah. so long in my life like me figuring out that uh, Cyclone was was better for mass gaining than uh, fucking what was the other one? Hydro something like you know, me like getting these two products and testing them and, and fucking reading everything about them and talking to other people who taken them and like We've both done this for a very long time. It's not like... Like, I don't think we've spoken about anything here today that we haven't experienced with personally for extended periods of time. Uh, Like, we're not saying that all supplements are shit. We're just saying you probably don't need most of them. I think, like, to move on to our last one is a supplement that... If I was to not recommend, but if I was saying has the biggest effect for athletic performance, it's this last one. And that's ZMA. Uh, It in no way impacts your actual performance. It doesn't really impact your ability to play a sport, your ability to train. But what it does do or what it appears to do is it appears to give you a better quality of sleep. Uh, and it appears this is in inverted commas again like a lot of studies are saying that it will get you more deep REM sleep when you take ZMA so ZMA is a mixture of zinc magnesium and vitamin B6 uh, it's like a proprietary blend it's a trademarked product but a load of uh, protein companies sell it uh, it, would, it was originally uh, formulated by Victor Conte from Balco Labs yes it's, it, we'll, get, we'll get to that kind of
0: subject in a minute after this. We'll, yeah, should.
1: we'll get to that in a sec. But it's, So as a supplement, you will be taking it in the kind of last hour before you go to sleep. Uh, zinc and magne- magnesium will help with uh, muscle relaxation. Vitamin B6 is very, very good for hormonal regulation. Uh, and when I've taken it in the past, or when a lot of people that I have spoken to have taken it in the past you do feel like you get very, very deep sleep uh, with it when you take it. So it might take a few days for you to get it. Uh, one of the hilarious side effects is that you will get extremely trippy dreams. Uh, and then something like like zinc and magnesium are things that for males especially are very, very, very important. Uh, and for females, obviously, but... Uh, and they're things that we don't get a lot of in our diet, unless you're eating a lot of dark leafy green vegetables. uh, you probably don't get that much of.
0: Or um, shellfish. Yeah, but again, like, I actually eat a shitload of shellfish. But I try to eat yeah, like but prawns like once a week maybe or something like that. Yeah. Um. But again, even ZMA is something that we're like, oh yeah, you, if you can get it, like you can take it. But if you don't, don't worry about it. Like fix your sleep or something. Yeah. You know. Like again, we're just yeah. kind of like. Like, I would just never put too much importance on supplements, but, it, like, it's always there and nice to have, you know? Like, I recently, yeah. I literally got ZMA again, like, last week for the first time in years, I'd say, again, that I just want to use yeah. it. Do you get thunder and lightning there?
1: Thunder and lightning?
0: Yeah. No, it's so sunny here.
1: Yeah, there was thunder there a second ago. That's why I was like... What? Yeah, weird, is No, it? Uh, that's mad. No, anyway. like So, I started taking it again. Uh, around a month ago mm-hmm. during the lockdown anyway I was like ah fuck it like one thing from ZMA that I didn't like is that if I had to get up early in the morning I didn't feel great yeah Uh, but I'm not like I have no idea if that's an actual correlation or if that's just me being like "Ah, oh, fuck like yeah, usually yeah, yeah. when I'm taking ZMA I'm training and training and getting up early don't correlate well together yeah. so it's it's probably that uh, ZMA is something that uh, even non-trained populations like I got, my mom took it for a good while when she had issues sleeping. Mm-hmm. One of my sisters took it for a good while. Uh, and look, it, it's it's not expensive. If you have, like, it's another thing it's nice to have. Is that thunder outside? That Can is so that? loud. It's yeah. very loud. Uh, so yeah, to be honest, like, it's... For me and for the list of supplements that if we have athletes who are asking about supplements, it's probably going to be creatine and ZMA are the two things that are like, oh yeah, look, this is good. Give it a try. It might work. Uh, And then if you have issues with nutrient timing, maybe some whey protein. Uh, But besides that, we keep it very, very simple. And that's after many, many years of it
0: being not simple and us looking into every possible thing. Uh, finally, the subject, I suppose, is one it is worthy in touching on because it, it does peripherate kind of uh, all fitness cultures and this use of like PEDs or performance yeah. enhancing drugs. Um, so obviously we're not going to go through a list of um, what, what heads you need <laughs> to take. Here you should be taking. But um, I suppose in terms of just a, a cultural view on this is it's permeated massively. Like every year it's getting more... And more and more. And now that's not um, my, like we, you've heard of ethics on gear before. Like we just don't give a shit really. I suppose it, it's like to pin it down. um, But it it's is something of that our think, business. That's the thing. Like it's none of our business if you, people use it or not. But it's something that's definitely like you, if you train in a gym, I guarantee you, you know, at least one or two people on or have used gear at some point or will in the next year. I almost yeah. guarantee it that you, and you don't even know it. Um, And when you were talking about the YouTube thing earlier and like yeah. a
1: YouTuber, uh, just even having like an Amazon link in their description, like they get paid every time somebody buys through the link. So if they click to the link and they buy through that, uh, they'll get paid every time they that happens. But most of the time you see like fucking whoever, I'm not even going to name it if they're a YouTube influencer and they're into bodybuilding or whatever the fuck it is, they're probably juiced to the tits. Yeah. Or else they have been at some stage. And them telling you that, oh, this is the best BCAA to get, or this is the best pre-workout to get, like, is... Uh, you may as well be buying their fucking same pair of socks that they wear, you know? Yeah. Like, none... Like, they might take that supplement. They might take it every day. They might think it's great. But... Uh, it's probably the fucking fist of pills that they take every day as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not it's probably helping, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, um, I think like that's a very, 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 very important point. And when you see like when you see the pictures of Rich Froning and it's like yeah. whatever, he used to be sponsored by BSN. Uh I don't know who he's sponsored with at the moment, or like uh, Matt Fraser, any insert any CrossFitter here, insert any professional athlete here. Uh, look they have to get paid they have to make money through sponsorship so obviously uh, supplement companies are going to sponsor them nothing in their performance is due to the supplementation like whatever happens with their performance is due to their work their programming, their coaching their genetic expression Uh, a huge long list at the end of the list then is their PEDs and yeah. then fucking 48 places below that included with their mother's hair color is uh, the supplements that they take.
0: Yeah. Um, so one I think is, is SARMs kind of have invaded very heavily as well because uh, a lot of times they come as in like sublingual drops, you know, and you don't have to inject them. <laughs> so they're just kind of like, you know, they're just like a new supplement. They're like the next level yeah. in supplements, you know, and sometimes they get marketed as like something like yeah. a testosterone booster so you're like oh is it like that horny goat weed or you know something like that yeah but you're like you're taking like you're, you're taking an actual fucking hormone derivative or affecting your hormones in a significant way that's not like taking a bit of extra zinc to if you're deficient yeah. so you're bring like your testosterone levels like normally you're, you're taking a powerful compound and sometimes like sometimes obviously a lot of people know exactly what they're doing but sometimes they don't you know or people take um I would say there's a primary the property. Young males The scary here. thing with SARMs
1: Is yeah. that Nobody knows what they're doing Yeah Like if you look at At gear Like gear's been around Since the 30s and 40s You know like the, Testosterone supplementation Has been around so long And there's different compounds Or whatever that And like the whole issue Around purity or whatever But SARMs is like SARMs is like Oh shit look what this does And then You can buy it a month later Joe, like, there's yep. Yep. no human tests. Uh, that is the. De- <laughs> Just stay the fuck away from them uh, would be like, my,
0: my advice. There's a population of young males who are heavily at risk. Like, like again, not the ragging Crossfitters and Peds, but it's the one. And we, you see from like USA weightlifting, like a lot of amateur weightlifters test positive for SARMS or some derivative, and yeah. a load of Crossfitters most frequently test positive for some kind of SARMS. We don't often see a lot of. Uh, elite athletes and Olympic sports test positive for SARM so much. No, it's because I, old... I think the risk the risk is so high. You know,
1: if if yeah. you're an if you're an Olympian uh, and you're taking peds, you're going to take something that they know the washout times. Yeah, they know the effect. They know how long a cycle has to be. They know have to know what dosages they are. They're not going to take something that appears to be easier or appears to be kind of less voodoo than than just taking peds, uh, but. In in my opinion, uh, SARMs are the fucking, the darkest edge of what PEDs are at the moment. Yeah. Like, you see, so the Eddie Hall and fucking Thor thing is huge at the moment. Uh, like, those guys are on huge amounts of gear. Like, more gear than you could fucking shake a stick at. Uh, and mm-hmm. I would, like... If you're looking at their blood work, you're like, okay, this is really high, this is really high, this is really high uh, because of these half a dozen compounds and these dosage levels. uh, But this is the kind of washout we can expect. This is the kind of of cycling off we can expect. This is the effect that each of these things has had. And this is how much long-term implication that each of these compounds is probably going to have had. Uh, There's issues with purity, obviously we spoke about earlier, that that will influence those. But mostly, those doctors who are reading those blood values are going to be like, okay, look, we know what's happening. Or there's going to be a doctor in the country who knows what's happening and can uh, directly influence the diagnosis or whatever that is. In the form of PEDS, the fucking people making them don't know what they're doing. The people selling them definitely don't know what they're doing. And the person taking them is just gambling. Rolling that fucking dice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, there is a subsection of young males there who are, like, very susceptible to the use of um PEDs. And again, we're yeah. not saying we, like... It's none of our business what people do. But we're just warning you, be careful. Because like, there is people listening to this, and I know, like, frequently people ask about them in Q&As, you know, and stuff. and Yeah. Um, just, um... Just try to be smart about it because it is a very, it's very easy for young men to kind of um, to end up in a place where they are in kind of unfavorable conditions, I suppose, ultimately, like if they, so I would say just definitely be very cautious with it. Like, again, it's none of our business what people take. We're not recommending people do or don't. Like, it's literally up to you as an individual and what your goals are. But I would say just be kind of cautious and like evaluate what's happening and use the same kind of mindset. We would always kind of push with any kind of anything you're talking, anything you're looking at with strength training or anything aspect or, you know, be logical about it and like look at the evidence, uh, seek experts opinions and then evaluate what they're saying and then make your own decision if you trust yourself. But if you don't trust yourself to making decisions, you know, there's yeah. um I was, a book recently I finished and it's the quote was, um don't, Um, what is it? Don't do what you can't undo until you've evaluated all the things you can't do once it's done, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so don't do something that you can't, uh, you can't unturn the wheel. Like, don't do something that you can't fix once you've already done it. It's a very stoic one. It's a great book, Robin Hobb. It's a fiction series of fiction books. Um, I hate fiction books, I love fiction. Um, It's Robin. She's a phenomenal writer. That's one of the biggest things we disagree on, isn't it? Fiction. Yeah. Well, like, that part of your brain is dead, I suppose. Yeah. You're dead, right? (laughs) But it's... um, it's, 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 I think we've
1: given that a fair rattle. Like, it's... Yeah. Look, we get a lot of questions about subs. A lot. And people are like... People who are on the programs are like, Oh, my fucking mass gainer is arriving next week. And that's... uh, Look... It's fine if you think you need it, take some supplements, whatever, but don't think they're going to have a significant difference on your performance, is what um, I'd say, just to finish on a nice positive note.
0: <laughs> don't, oh, so the quote is, don't do what you can't do until you've considered what you can't do once you've done it. Yeah, I got it right. Nailed it. Yeah, Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nailed so. It. So SeekerStrength.com for all our programs. So Road Anywhere Squat program, our Seeker Press newly arrived. Um, so it's not out long enough for people to get the results in, but I, we should be getting those pretty soon. Um, there's likely a lot of you now coming up soon who will be needing the Seeker Strength off-season athletes. So this is just meant for people who are real athletes, but there's a lot of our strength training athletes here who could do a, a block or two of this where you just get a lot of work capacity. And yeah, then we've obviously Seeker Weightlifting, Continuous Block. So we are tre- our Continuous programs are Seeker Weightlifting, and Seek a Powerlifting and then our Seek Strength for Fitness Athletes so I know there's a lot of crossfitters who are very weak at the moment and are not able to train Seekstrength.com there's a load of new blocks of all our programs have gone up Just um, three variations of our backstop program one press for everyone Strict press or bench press um, so the next program coming down the line will be a, a plyometric or jump program so we'll have one for our, our real athletes again and then we'll have one for our strength training athletes so they'll have just a little bit of different compounds after that then will be uh seeker body armor so that'll be kind of bodybuilding but with our spin on it um and then after that we're likely going to have uh seeker pull and then our super total program still isn't ready yet and it's not something it's just going to take a lot longer that's and it's not going to be rushed no that's going to be very diff- not difficult to do yeah. but it will concern more um application of thought I suppose uh but plyometrics is going to many next, reviews
1: I think. many reviews of spreadsheets what's that uh the that's what the super total program has come down to now is just reviewing many many spreadsheets
0: yeah like it's it'll be um yeah don't hold your breath for that for yet like we're just just being just being honest with that one like there's other programs we want to get done first Um, the last
1: the last thing on the programs is if you're training at home and you're kind of stuck for inspiration there's two free home training blocks uh that have bodybuilding in them they have uh conditioning in them and they have speed and power output training in them uh minimal equipment uh they're free you literally just go into the store and you can buy them in inverted comments for nothing and you'll get a pdf emailed out to you so uh those are there if you're stuck for a bit of inspiration
0: at the moment um in terms of um we'll have so our apparel kind of luckily we got our first big batch of apparel out and we sold out of a lot of stuff um we were hoping to have so obviously our original plan would have kind of summer where out around now for people getting ready but um yeah. obviously the um the breaks are on that for a little bit it doesn't look like we'll have um any kind of like summer collection i suppose this time because um ireland is still currently under lockdown it's slowly opening up again as with the rest of the world but um we'll probably just have to wait till next summer for something cool like that but we'll obviously yeah. have another batch of stuff coming soon in maybe oh eventually july or august yeah really i'd say yeah. august um some cool stuff um and then if you want to support the podcast if you like if you use patreon you want to so um, become a Patreon Just a Strength Podcast Patreon And if you don't use Patreon What does help us a lot Is if You Follow us on Spotify Or Like subscribe I'm not sure what the wording is used on Spotify But if you just kind of follow us on it there And then on iTunes Very importantly Is give us a rating and a review So written reviews and a rating Help an awful lot um, yeah. We're currently at a 4.9 star rating or something on iTunes Fuck um let me see, see so can... yeah if you don't like the podcast just don't bother rating it <laughs> <laughs> our one bad review got um our rating came back up again because of the old game changers um yeah oh, so that little fucker drew us down didn't he oh i think we're five star rating on on 4.9 Nine yeah five. out of a, yeah so it nice. really does help like so if you were, if you do listen to this can you like we would really appreciate if you just did mm-hmm. um we don't ask a lot i think to be fair like we don't have any we don't bombard you with ads midway before or after um, so if you just want to give us a five star review on Apple and then if you have some nice words to say we would appreciate that uh, It's Apple is probably the best in terms of kind of um, I suppose Cloud. yeah kind of like having a sil- similar algorithm to like kind of like YouTube or Instagram or something like that where can kind of promote you a little bit and the ratings do help a lot uh, for the others not so much but it does help you spo- follow us on Spotify and I think that's right. It. Yep. That's Are we it. good? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for uh, that, guys. Stop recording. Yeah.